You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. And I asked them to sing that song because uh, Brian Craig's one of my favorites. Uh, he's just a unique specimen in all the kingdom and his talent and abilities. And, uh, but that song for, uh, is one of my very favorites of anyone who's ever written it. Brian just happened to have written it. Because it does remind me what this is all about. And I love that line particularly that there will be a time when we'll look at each other and go, Wow, we made it! Yeah. Wow, we did it! And somehow, through all of the sin and lack of money and poor scheduling, we did it! <laughs> and there's not going to be this foreign group. It's going to be us. Yes. And so you look like, that's, that's exciting to me yeah. and helpful for me. Because in this life, there are times in which I have great days. There are times in which I get disoriented. And I've even asked myself, can I make this? Can I do this? You know, as Steve said, and uh, I wanted to give a, a, just a brief introduction to myself. My name is Wade Cook. I uh, was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, converted there. So this feels comfortable in here to me. I want, so, uh, but realizing you're freezing, I'll be disciplined with time. Uh, I was uh, converted in 1987 off the uh, campus of the University of Colorado. And although I grew up religious, I really had a... Um, uh, I, I, I guess maybe a cafeteria-style idea of Christianity. And very Presbyterian in the sense of basically everyone's going to heaven, including some of me. And although I smoked dope and slept with my girlfriend and cheated and whatever, you know, if you did more good than bad, uh, the really bad people are going to hell, but everyone else is making it to heaven. <laughs> and so, um, so that's why it took me about nine months to study the Bible and come to the conviction that I'm not really a Christian. And in that process, for me, the greatest journey was really recognizing how sinful I am. And that although I really did have a, and still do, I think, a, a legitimate love for God, I did not know what it meant to be in a relationship with Him. And I, because I did not have any really substantively good relationship with anybody. I cheated on every girlfriend I ever had, except for my very first girlfriend and my last girlfriend, who's my wife. <laughs> so, but everyone in between, I cheated on every girlfriend. I would have friends to the point of which it would make benefit for me, but if sometime that, at any time that relationship really cost me something, i cut it off. So I didn't know how to be faithful, is my point. And I jumped into the kingdom, and I was excited at initially. And, you know, some people talk about, boy, that first day, they come out of the water. And, and that wasn't me. I was more relieved than I was like, wow, i never seen this before. I was more relieved. But I had more of an intellectual conversion in that I recognized you can't smoke dope, you can't sleep around, you can't steal, you need to be baptized, you never were, you're not a Christian. Okay, what do I need to do to, to work that out? And I did work that thing out and got baptized. And I was excited about that. Still I'm excited about that. But my first six months were just now, okay, going through the intellectual. Okay, good. Come to church, you bet. Stop smoking dope. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> Give some money. Great. Contribution wasn't a problem for me because I just took my beer money and gave it to church. <laughs> oh, there you go. That, much, that was my sacrifice. Okay, I can handle that. I can do that. Yeah. And, and you have to come to 
uh, the church where I can do that. And, 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 and that was great. That was six months, six, uh, six months of the day until I became a Christian, I was immoral. And it wasn't like it happened to me, like, oh, I fell into a hole, I was immoral. <clears throat> I slept with this girl at a party that I had this sort of flirtatious uh, relationship with three or four years earlier, and God just set it up that we were at this party, so I slept with this girl. We had church at night. So, uh, so I ended up sleeping at her house and then walking back to the apartment where I lived with the brothers, going to the gymnastics. Okay. Am I going to confess? What am I going to say? I decided I'm not going to confess. And I'm alive. So I'm going to tell them I was at a study group. And, uh, and that would be... Uh, the best thing, because I know it's wrong, they know it's wrong, everyone knows it's wrong, so what, you know, you don't confess to be saved, and so, uh, uh, okay, so th that was my gymnastics. So then I went the next two weeks totally committed. Mr. Evangelistic and Happy Church, and you know, you want to kind of throw them off the scent. <laughs> right? <laughs> then I was a moral, again, I with another now this time you can't confess this one, because you didn't confess the first one. And I started down six months of this sort of double life. And everywhere I uh, was, I, I wasn't. If I was at church, I even once was deathly afraid they were going to invite, one of these girls would get invited to church. Then what am I going to do? But every time I was out with one of these girls, you're always like, disciples someplace. <laughs> and so I spent six months doing that everywhere I was. And then I realized I can't live this way. But I had no way to get out of it. And you know how what, what happened? It was after baptism, the guy who led the church at the time said, uh, called me over. I remember where we were in the pool. He said, hey, bro, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> We'd like to lead a Bible talk. Oh. <laughs> That's exactly what I did inside. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, we've got this young kid who's been a Christian for about a year, doing absolutely nothing spiritual. And we just probably think you don't feel invested enough. So we think it'd be great. Can you, would you mind assisting lead a Bible talk? I have no idea where I got the conviction or where it came from, but my first thought was, if I say yes, God will kill me. We'll <laughs> have a heart attack. And I think I worked up this idea that I could be a hypocrite as long as it only affects me. But if you start leading and affecting people, then God will kill me. I, I thought that. So I said, and, and I don't know, it just, I confess. I said, Kurt, before I say yes, you, you probably should know some things. For the last six months, I've been a moral. Not just one, but four different women. I'm currently in a relationship with someone. I, I'm doing terrible. And I don't know how to get out. And I had, at this, and this is way back in the day, so if you need to know Kurt Simmons, Kurt Simmons is just one of the most Jesus Christ-like people. We got together the next evening. I've never seen someone's jaw. <laughs> what the heck? 
Uh, and, and so we got together the next night, and Kurt was so spiritual and so mature. It wasn't the emotionally manipulative uh, experience that some of us, and even our movement at that time was kind of characterized by. He was very loving. He was very direct. He was very biblical. He was very kind. But he was very clear. All at the same time. And, I, and I, I count that point as where I finally got converted. Where I really switched over my heart. That this is real. This is important. And what you do and what you say, it matters. Eternally. It matters to other people. It matters to God. That you're not just a statistic. You're a soul. And what you think and what you do and what you don't do matters. It's important. And it's not like God is, you know, keeping stats, hoping you've got enough before you get in. He genuinely loves you. How many of you are parents in here? How many of you are related to or connected to any small child? <laughs> you know the love that you have for that person. When that kid looks at you and hugs you, when that kid places their trust in you, 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 you I'll die for you. That's how God looks at you. Where do you think we got that from? That's how God looks at you. So what Kurt was able to articulate to me and what I wanted to introduce my thoughts with now is that you matter. And your sin, that which he died for, he didn't do it just because he had nothing else to do. Because that sin is toxic. It will kill you. It will kill others who you will impact. Your joy helps you. It helps others who you will impact. The good and the bad, you matter. And I introduced those thoughts by saying, one, you know, I'm an evangelist. I let the single service team all great. I'm a simple guy trying to figure it out. And I hope to share with you more than the facts, the, the, the passion of why I'm so faithful. And I speak on behalf of those who you will impact this year. Or not impact. The fact is, you will impact everyone. For the positive or for the negative. You don't live in a void. So you will either impact positively or negatively. Everyone you, I want to encourage you, if I can speak from them. In 2017, that's where I hope my little, there's going to be people that get born this year. It's going to be a big year for some people. Those born in January 6th will say, my birthday is 1617. For the rest of their lives. And there are some other permutations. You know, I guess it's July 7th, 7717, you know. <laughs> but there are going to be people who, who are born this year. There's going to be people who will be born again this year. Amen. Who God has on, their, on his heart to convert them. Yeah. And part of their plan is you. <laughs> there are some people who I would be really good to help convert. There are some people who I, in my personality and energy level, freak out. <laughs> there are some people, because of the way I'm oriented, where I'm from, don't, won't listen to me. Won't trust me. They will you. 
You are the person that they'll come to, to listen to. You're the one they trust. It won't be Steve. It won't be who It's you. There's someone this year who God is like, okay, it's Steve. <laughs> and I'm going to put you in line at X grocery store. I don't know if the local grocery stores are, so if I was in Denver, I'd have a cool now. But whatever it is. <laughs> and you're, I'm going to use you. Because I love them also, I'm going to put you right next to you. There are some people that are going to go through a divorce. And they're going to be disoriented. And they're going to sit and get hired right next to you. <laughs> Maybe some people who are already next to you are right now going through it. There's, they're going to be born again. You're part of it. There's going to be some people who find romance. Some people in this room are going to find romance. <laughs> I started, two, I guess it was uh, 1989, January 1. I had no idea that was yours going to meet my wife. I was just a simple guy trying not to get disfellowshipped. <laughs> I figured that year. And if you had asked, Young junior in college wave, what do you want for this year? I'm like, bro, I'm just trying not to get high, man. <laughs> God's plans. I'm sure God was like, no. Oh, so much more is going to happen this year. That's going to happen in 2018. Some will find romance in this room. Some will find good romance. Some may get married. That's right. That's right. Let's just say it. I like it. Some of you who have the gift, you are awesome. Embrace the gift. Some of you really want to get married. Don't give up on that dream. And you do not have to get married to be whole. You do not have to be married to be successful. It is a change that we need in our fellowship. And this is where I go back to my single service. I let my wife and I let the single service team starting in 2013. And so 14, 15, 16, uh, up until just this last July, we led the single service team, which was one of my great joys. And if any of you were at the conference in 2014, I made the, uh, the statement, led by the Holy Spirit, I thought, at the end, the singles ministry is back. Amen. I still believe that. Amen. So that's a whole other lesson. But my point is, <laughs> we'll get you back. The man, some will get married. And rejoice in that. Don't let, don't get sucked into the world. The world wants you because you're good looking, because you're giving, because you're gracious. That's right. Convert them. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And one of the great privileges is you can have a relationship with another Christian. That's great. That's going to happen this year. For some of us, some are going to die this year. Yeah. Maybe a parent, maybe a friend. There are some people, and boy, it seemed like the end of the year, last year, a lot of famous people check out. Some are going to die this year. There's just going to be adventure and fun. And there are things. There's going to be challenges. But how you go into the year and what you see, what I look at is that, man, what adventure is there available to us in 2017? I think the singles ministry is the most exciting place to be. Maybe rivaled only with this untapped place of young, of, um, uh, of empty nesters. The most amount of money, time, experience, relationship opportunities. Isn't this thing? 
Mark Otwell phrased this term, tip of the spear. I think the singles ministry is the tip of the spear. Plunging into the dead heart of the Lord. Primarily a singles ministry that blew up into a church. The Albuquerque Church was primarily a singles planting. And again, just the history of the singles ministry in our movement is extraordinary. Not as well known as it should be. So I'm not saying that I really want you to do awesome. We are! We have! So that's why it's important that we act as it's what a great there's adventure and things for us to do this year. Mission-minded. Mission-minded. I want us to look at the definition and expand just a bit from share your faith and be fruitful-minded. Mission-minded. A mission is an important task or duty that is assigned, allotted, or self-imposed. One of my favorite quotes from uh, Shakespeare. Greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. Some have greatness thrust upon them. And there's a mix of all that here. Some of you just are great. You were built with a personality, with an energy, with a temperament that's just attractive and magnetic. You're all. <laughs> Some of you were born again. The spiritual you, which is true of all of us, is, the much, is a way better you than the non-spiritual you. And that's true of all of us, but the Lord knew that you really are a nicer person than you were when you became a Christian. You smile more, you're nicer to be around, you're giving. You were born into greatness. Your baptism changed you. You were converted. I like it. Is that something to something to revel in? And some have greatness thrust upon you. Why are you born in this place at this time? Where do you work? Where you why? I don't, because greatness is just in your lap. Our mission, it's an important task. A duty that some of us embrace, some of us actually try to ignore, some of us feel insecure that you can actually handle. No. God has given us the great privilege of participating in salvation for ourselves and for others. An important goal or purpose that is accompanied by strong conviction. A calling. Do you look at your life as just something you've got to endure? Or a calling? I would suggest you the calling. You are a miracle. There's 7 billion people on the planet today. That's over half of everyone who's ever lived, if you're ever on Jeopardy. About 12 and a half billion people have ever lived. Seven billion are alive right now. Why were you born and raised and converted in this time? For a reason. How many of that seven billion actually have God's spirit in you? In them? This is the major concentration of awesomeness. In this room. Anybody else? You have God's spirit in you. Use it. Yeah. 
Use it to get over that sin. Use it to get over your selfishness. Use it to control your emotions. And the Holy Spirit isn't our magical genie. It's in you. A gift. Let's act like it. It's a calling. Luke chapter 10. Please turn to your Bibles. Woo-wee, look at that. Come on, wait. <laughs> oh, we passed time. We're going to move pretty quickly now. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. go through the story relatively quickly because um, it's one that I, I, I do think is familiar with a lot of us, but I wanted to uh, recast it just a bit. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question. What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've replied correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Now, let me stop right there. The first thing is that this Jewish lawyer asked Jesus a question. What do I need to do to make Jesus says, what do you think? And he repeats the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. That was a prayer that every uh, Jew prayed in the morning, noon, and evening. So every Jewish man, woman, and child was very familiar with the Shema. But what he goes on to quote, and we miss it, is Leviticus 19, which was the answer that Jesus added to when he was asked earlier in his ministry, what are the two greatest commandments? So if the, the answer clearly is something the guy had heard before. He'd heard Jesus say because proceeding, if you ask, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said the Shema. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And pass on yourself. Jesus said, and love your neighbors as yourself. So when this guy repeats it back to Jesus, he's repeating back the answer that Jesus had already said. So he's like, uh, so Jesus, what do I have to do to make it? Jesus says, what have you heard? What did Jesus answer before? He already gave us the right answer. The Shema. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, cool, that's right. Go do it. But then, we really see the motive. And he goes on then to ask, well, who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho. And you know the story of the Good Samaritan, right? So this guy asked the question, and the Shema, as I said, is a three-part prayer. And Leviticus 19.18 is a separate and distinct teaching that this guy would have heard. And the whole passage, and it's, a, it's, a, it's masterful how Jesus encapsulates the spirit of Judaism. He's not advancing Christianity. He's saying the spirit of God is this. Love God with everything you have. And have that same, and this is the, the new radical, and engage each other with that same love. And that was that should be enough to go, oh amen. But this guy asks, uh, well, who's my neighbor? Who's the is the people near me? Is it my fellow Jews? Because it's certainly not the Gentile. <laughs> is it the ones that I like? Is it the one I don't like? Is it the ones that look like me? Is it the ones that sound like what? 
give me, give me some clarity. Who's my neighbor? So Jesus says, this, he tells this story. There's a guy going down to, uh, to Jericho, and, and there's a famous road that was traditionally very dangerous uh, to travel. So it had been well known by travelers, this is where you get mugged. It's like saying, cruise through uh, Harlem in the evening. There's a guy walking by himself in the worst part of town, by himself, and what do you think is going to happen? He gets mugged. And then there's a, a priest who comes by. If I was Catholic, I, that's what I found this picture. That's what I would look like. I guess. So it's me smiling, got my Catholic robe on, and doing all the priestly things. And so there's a priest that comes by, and it's like, whoa, hey, I'm a little too busy to do that. Keeps moving along. There's a, a, there's a Levite, a professional minister, an elder, an evangelist, passing by, but he's clearly on his way to a leader's meeting. <laughs> I'm on my way to Bible study. I, I, I can't stop and, and, and help out because I'm doing other things. But there was a Samaritan. In our minds, in our ears, today Samaritan just rolls off like, okay, that's cute, that's nice. But if I were to said there is a Al-Qaeda or a Ku Klux Klansman, now we all go, whoa, 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 huh? <laughs> this is a regular uh, miracle. Parable played out. Uh, it made me know that I now work for Hope Worldwide. One of my responsibilities is the National uh, Disaster Coordinator, a uh, Relief Coordinator, and we're working on our uh, Hope Protocol. And uh, in September 1, there was a flood in, uh, in Baton Rouge. Actually, Denham Springs. Denham Springs is the current home. Anyone know about Denham Springs? It's where we actually, the majority of the flood was. And August 12th, the, uh, there was a storm that just kind of sat over Louisiana, just outside of Baton Rouge, for about two or three days. Flooded 90% of Denham Springs. <coughs> and people out. Denham Springs also happens to have been the headquarters of Ku Klux Klan. So this is a picture. I'm, I was driving around with a guy who leads the church in Baton Rouge. This is a picture that I took on my phone. Confederate flag still flies. And if you ever move to Louisiana and you're a person of color, this is one thing they'll say, where should I move? Don't move to Denham Springs. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be terribly welcome. But in Denham Springs, this is a picture of uh, day three. Flood. Floods are not are not respecters of anyone's background or race or color. Everyone's hurt. And so these they're, they're, anyone who had a boat turns into the lifeguard. And they had even a phrase, the Cajun Navy. If you had a boat, there were people. So black, white, I don't know if you can see in a little uh, picture that these are uh, I, I just there's African Americans in the middle two white guys. But at the time when you're flooded out, when your life is online, you, you don't ask, hey, uh, so, you support the Klan? Do you? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, why don't you keep going? I'm sure there's a non-Klan boat. <laughs> doesn't matter. Because your life is online, it doesn't matter. But it really gets down to it. It doesn't matter. So there was a flood. Louisiana. And it was an evangelist who was too busy to stop. There was an elder who passed somebody 
being flooded. But he had his own issues and had his own time table and didn't have any more room on his boat. He had to get over to his mother-in-law's house. A clansman stopped. A clansman picked up this person. Clansman not only picked up this person, took him to a safe hotel, put down his credit card, and said, whatever their charges are, as long as it's needed, it's on me. Until they can be safely back home. Who was his neighbor? That's the same parable Jesus told today. Who was his neighbor? Who did the right thing? It's, it's almost, you don't want to say it. <laughs> Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Do you recognize that there are people around us? You will look at There are people who want to know the truth, like Steve said, who are hungry. Don't know. They're a punk freshman like me. All of a sudden, didn't know. And the person who first invited me, I didn't go, oh, thank you. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> the guy who invited me, does anyone know Carrie Schultz? Yeah. Right, Chance? Carrie's who met me. And I was a, uh, I, I worked at the strike cleaner. And Carrie came in, and she dropped off her clothes. And when she came back to pick up her clothes, I said, I'm going to help her. So she gave me a little ticket, and the clothes are going around the rack, and uh, we're making small talk, you know, as I do with all the customers. And I could tell she wanted to ask me something. And she was sort of looking for the opportunity. I thought she was going to say something about my eyes. So I was prepared for my, with my humble response. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, no one's ever said that. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's what I was prepared for. <laughs> Said, I'd like to invite you to do a group Bible study. And I went, yes. Wait. <laughs> yeah. We have a group Bible study. It's like, wow, that sounds really interesting. But I'm, uh, I'm super busy. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, I, I, you know, paper tomorrow. And uh, only not to have free is I'm making all this up tomorrow. She's like, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I work here until 7. It's probably, you know, an earlier hour. I'm like, it starts at 7.30. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, where is it? It's at the city that was directly north. Well, I just have my bike, which is true. Uh, so I love to ride out there sometimes, which is not true. And, uh, but, you know, I, I don't really have a right to. I'll stop by and pick you up.
got worse. It happened to be the next day. So we didn't exchange. I just knew her name was Carrie, and she was going to come pick me up right after work the next day. Otherwise, I would have called her and canceled. <laughs> but I didn't know her last name, so I couldn't look it up in the phone. <laughs> I didn't have a phone number. So I'm like, great. Go to this Bible study. <laughs> and then I thought, but you know what? I am a Christian. And a Christian would want to go to a Bible study. So maybe I want to go. <laughs> At least just to say, just to get off my back. Not pure heart, just that's how I'm like, okay. Instead of calling sick, it's not going to work. I went. Save my soul. God saved my soul. The church. God worked for the church to save my soul. Here's what is awaiting all of us in 2017. So I'm saying what you do is important. I am married. I'm the father of three. My three girls are disciples. Praise God. I've been in full-time ministry 24 years. I'm an evangelist. I've had great impact and fun impact. I love working for the church. None of that is important. That was a soul. And am a soul that somebody cared enough to know I'm And to continue. Who's in your life? If you're taking notes, I would like you from this point on to be thinking, because I, I pray the Holy Spirit would put on all of our hearts our neighbors this year. Who's your neighbor? Maybe you know that person. Maybe you've been reaching out to them in their place. Please call back. Please go back to wherever and say, hey, remember me? Six months ago, and you said you're going to come to the bottom Okay, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you don't know them. Maybe you don't know them. And you'll be standing at the door. Or maybe they, they live, literally, they are your neighbor. How many of you know your neighbors? Yeah, not all. That's right. This is not meant to be public shaming. Michelle's been going through kind of a tough time. Sort of, you know, stayed reaching out, but it just got, I was convicted about a month ago that I am not, Devin and I really reached out to Michelle. So I gave her a book. Uh, and I just saw her out like in early December. I gave her this book. And I said, let's read this book together about pain, breaking through stuff. And we're supposed to have, uh, have her over for wine in, in a couple of weeks. But she texted me back, because I said in, in this text, I'm a poor minister if I'm not ministering in my own neighborhood. And she said, oh, thank you. She said, um, wow, you're, you're, you're an incredible minister. And thank you for reaching out to us. You're the kindest person I know. And I'm like, oh, that's not it. They're, they're there. They're there. Which of these three is your neighbor? Go and do likewise. Write down. One, two, three, four people. Who are your neighbor? Maybe, no, maybe they're a Christian. Maybe there's someone who uniquely needs your love, you're reaching out to. Who's your neighbor? I would say there's probably someone in all of those categories. Who's the Holy Spirit put on your heart? Amen? Amen. Thank you very much for your time. 
You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us.